welcome in Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff. Good morning, Frank. It sounds like it hurts. Jalapeno <laughs> popper pooper something. Yeah, yeah nice. I added I added one more little. Sounds uh, like it burns. Alliteration in there for you. Yeah. I don't know. I've never really had the jalapeno poppers. Yeah, it's not. That wouldn't be on my list of mm. things to try. Yeah, I'm sure they've been on like a platter when you order like the great big deep fried platter, but I don't know. There's other things to partake. How's that? There sound? aren't many deep fried platters I haven't seen, but that one. Do you like what's your okay when you get a deep fried platter and you got you got all that on there? What's your what's your go to on there? I'm such a sucker for mozzarella sticks. Ooh, yeah. Um, you know the other thing, calamari seems to be a a big one. Guys go for yeah, that. but I only like certain pieces of the calamari. You don't like the I tentacles? I only like the rings. I don't like the little like, tentacles. Yeah. Why Too they much. just kind of scary or what? Yeah, it's just when I have to look at it, that I'm not that into it. They're scaring you. They're scaring you. What's uh, scaring you, Frank, when it comes to the, the uh, trade deadline day and the uh, daily face-off target, trade target? What do we I guess we're T-minus 10 and counting, 10 more days here or so, right? Yeah, 10 days. And what's scaring me is the lack of activity. <laughs> it's been 25 days since we've seen a trade in the NHL. Sean Monaghan going from Montreal to Winnipeg and – I can't really quite remember a deadline like this. I know that this is always, uh, you know, sort of a kiss of death when you say it, but I I don't know of anything this morning right now that's front burner either. So it kind of feels like teams are are waiting through this. Yeah. So do you think they're just waiting for one team to make the deal to sort of set the market, so to speak? Well, that's part of it. I mean, look at the Calgary Flames and Chris Tanev. He's readily available to the first team that steps up and gives the Calgary Flames a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, they've got a bunch of teams that have put number two picks on the table. They're sifting through that, and then the next part of it might have to come down to, okay, can someone give me a conditional first? What are the conditions? Can I make the conditions better? Can I get an additional prospect here or potentially an NHL player? Whatever it is, they're trying to find the best deal possible, and no one has stepped up to pay it. How much or would you say Markstrom is still in play and the possibility of him moving out of Calgary? I think it's possible that the New Jersey Devils revisit it. I don't know what it would take to bridge the gap, but outside of New Jersey, I don't know another team that would step up at this exact moment in time and trade for Markstrom. And I'll take it one step further in that you guys just saw Calgary over Mm -hmm. the weekend is there a chance, and I would say an outside chance, but that the Flames could trade Hannafin and Tanev and on the back of Markstrom still squeak into the playoffs? There's a chance. I don't know because not. I mean, then you bring the other thing into play. Is UC Cyrus 100% staying in Nashville? I don't have that confirmed just yet, but I did have a team tell me in the last 24 hours that since Nashville is in a playoff spot, that they are very likely to hang on to sorrows. Mm-hmm. Which makes total sense. It does, unless you take the long-term view or unless someone's willing to knock your socks off mm-hmm. to get him because Yaroslav Iskarov has been absolutely incredible in Milwaukee where they're the second they're on the second longest winning streak in AHL history and his numbers have been outstanding and he's a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. 
Frank Saravalli with us, Daily Faceoff on Sports 1440. Uh, what do you make of the Vegas Golden Knights moving forward here, especially with the situation with Mark Stone? Yeah, I'd expect them to be really ing- aggressive. They're a team that has stopped at nothing to try and win the Stanley Cup. They accomplished that, and they're not just going to sit back now and say, oh, that was great, we won one, we're good for a while. That's That's not in that team's M.O. Look at all of the draft picks and – first round picks that they've made that they've traded. Um, They've got a unique opportunity here, having a bunch of assets still um, having potentially nine and a half million dollars of LTIR space. Although stone hasn't been placed on there yet. And there really is no firm and definitive timeline for this lacerated spleen, Mm -hmm. but they they're not a team that's going to be, going away so i think they've got a bunch of different irons in the fire to make a splash whether it's jake gensel or pavel buchnevich or even potentially bringing back riley smith at full price whatever the case may be they have potentially cap space to go out and spend and i'd be shocked if they don't use it and jake gensel just starting to skate in pittsburgh what do you make of what's going to happen with him in the next 10 days You know, a lot of people have framed it as being a tough call for the Pens because you've got Sidney Crosby having this all-world season. You even watch Sunday's game where he's just carrying that team. No Jake Gensel, four points, beat the Flyers, the team that they're chasing in the Metro. And it's really the Flyers that all those teams are chasing, the Mm -hmm. Devils and the Caps, because the two wildcard teams are from the Atlantic, and um, it's a bit harder, I think, to – to go out and be able to catch um, the Red Wings and the Lightning. So it's not that difficult for me. Um, I think Gensel's the one piece that they have that can jumpstart this rebuild that they so desperately need. And they don't have a first-round pick this year because of the Eric Carlson trade. They don't have any prospects. They have nothing in their pipeline outside of an elite complementary player that Gensel is that – has north of a point per game four of the last five seasons, a two-time 40-goal scorer, who else on your team is going to bring you that kind of value and Mm -hmm. return? Now, here's an interesting wrinkle, though, that I'll tell you that I heard also in the last 24 hours, is the Penguins have, have received more interest in Riley Smith so far than they have in Jake Gensel. Now, riddle me that, Batman. And Riley Smith has one more year, correct? Yep. So I don't know that. I don't know why that would be. Um, No clue. What would be the return on either or that you'd have to give up? Well, for Gensel, I mean, it's he's the premier forward available, um, even with the injury. So when you look at the market and you and I did a a deep dive on this yesterday on dailyfaceoff.com, the odd part about the NHL trade market is the centerpiece for Gensel is is likely to revolve around a late first-round pick. And when you boil it down, it's not really all that different than the Jets gave up for Sean Monaghan or what the Canucks traded for Elias Lindholm. And, you know, even for Gensel, who players of that magnitude so rarely become available, for whatever reason over the last 15 years, teams don't really pony up a lot to spend to get those guys. And part of the reason for it is they know that 
if they don't have a chance to sign him, that's a pretty big, or even if they do, it's a pretty expensive then contract that's coming on the back end of it. That it's, um, they're in a really interesting spot here in terms of what they can get for him. And Smith, maybe that extra year on his deal at 5 million bucks. I know mm-hmm. the season has been really disappointing in some ways it it might ultimately be comparable. It, it'll be less, but comparable for a guy that some teams now view as Jake Gensel light. Hmm. Interestingly enough. Frank Cervelli with us on Sports 1440. I really want to get our text line going, Frank. So let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs for a moment. Winners of seven straight, home to Vegas tonight. And uh, all of a sudden, the Leafs starting to make a little bit of a push. They might be a little too far behind in the Atlantic, but making a little bit of noise uh, thanks to a seven-game winning streak. Yeah, and, um, you know, you look at it and you go, huh, um, how aggressive will they be now, mm-hmm. right? And that's, that's the tough part when you consider their assets, that they just they, – they have their first-round pick, but short of that, don't really have a lot to trade. They don't want to move their top prospects. And they've got a bunch of different holes to fill. And they're, I think they're multiple defensemen away, plus bottom six forward help that, I, you know – I think they're in a really difficult position because you don't want to let this season pass by with your all-world forwards that are also producing at that rate and are in the prime of their career, let alone the resources that you've committed to them. It's, um, I think they're they're in the toughest deadline position of anyone, hmm. I think. Can a team get gun-shy, Frank, from you know, past experience, like the Leafs last year added a bunch of pieces, didn't work out. Can they just go, Multiple you know what? years now. Yeah. But, it's a different you know. regime. Yep. But um, that's the thing is when you go from, you know, the Felino deal in the Canadian North Division where you feel like you had to go for it to then not just Ryan O'Reilly, but the other trades that they made last year, there's been a lot of capital and future capital out the door. And you really can't, in the NHL, go for it every year. Teams that have won a Stanley Cup or have gotten to a final, I think, are in a different position because you at least know that your team has an authentic chance to go deep. But with the Leafs, you again, it's this juxtaposition of not wanting to let this year slip by given the pieces that you have up front and a 70-plus goal season from Matthews. Mm-hmm. Um, but... How realistically can you can you do it? Can you continue to trade away every top end future piece that you have? At some point, the back end of that timeline that you have for your team and the competitive window to win, it begins to shrink because you don't have anything new coming in through that pipeline. You saw the Oilers uh, beat L.A. last night 4-2, Frank. Uh, Ken Holland, in his wish list, has it changed? Has his, uh, I guess, his priority of what he would like to add, has that changed in the last little bit? Not to my knowledge. I still think that they're pretty focused on adding an impact forward. But I, I think they're also all over the map in terms of what they're looking at. Is it a package deal? Is it just one is it have they've yet to my knowledge to really center in on something and then i think there's a real question to ask about whether or not that should be the priority should there be another 
you know, defense first defender that comes through the door that can help this team. And I'll be honest, um, it wasn't high on my priority list two weeks ago, but Stuart Skinner has played a lot. And this goaltending, like, they're back in the ditch since the All-Star break. He was good last night. He was, but even including last night, since the All-Star break, I believe he's at an 8.87. Yeah. I don't think he's played a lot. When you look at how the games have been spaced out, I don't think he's overworked. How's that sound? Uh, I would disagree, and okay. I'm just pulling up my numbers just so that I, I have it all accurate here. Since the coaching change, Stuart Skinner has made 33 starts, which is tied for fifth most in the league, and he's just three back of the leader in Georgiev, who we know the Colorado Avalanche have said is playing too much. So he's only three starts back of him. And the numbers that I gave you, um, they were actually, they're actually worse than what I had said. Since the All-Star break, Skinner 879 and Cal Pickard 877. Look, he's shown that he can do it. 21 and 4. 50 goals against in 25 games played, a 925 save percentage from the time Chris Knobloch took over until the break. But we know what this season started like with the Oilers and how much goaltending impacted their poor start. I don't think goaltending is big on the on the Oilers' priority list, meaning like I, I will be surprised if they go out and trade for one, but I'm just raising the question of maybe should it be. I can tell you this, Frank, that the team in front of the goaltenders since the All-Star break and even going back a couple of games where they ham and egged it was the team that you saw at the start of the season. So I wouldn't put this on Skinner and Pickard, I would put it on total team defense and structure and in the sense that they have been playing like they did at the start of the year. That's what I would okay, say. Okay, so then let's uh, let's go to the next step of the conversation then. Mm-hmm. What is – this is a chicken and the egg argument, which is do, does that mean the Oilers need another defender? No, I think the answer lies within the room. I think what happens is all the bad things, as I said for two weeks here on this show, all the bad things that the Oilers – we're doing in the last two weeks uh, I use the word creeping in from at the start of the season well it stopped and I used this terminology yesterday Frank they crept in all of these things have crept in and we can run down the list of about 10 12 things they crept in last night they nipped a little bit little bit of it in the bud a few of those things they're on their way to getting back to where they were it was their first game yet last night where they allowed less than three goals since the all-star break so they are getting back to where they need to be. So I don't think it's all on the personnel, goaltending. I think the answer lies within the room. Okay, so if the answer lies within the room and the market is kind of thin in general in terms of real impact difference makers, we know that Ken Holland doing nothing is not an option. Mm -hmm. What's the best course of action then? Well, in my mind, again, and I've said this, I think they just need to add size and grit on a fourth line, they need a little bit bigger uh, component of the fourth line. If they could ever find uh, a right winger, uh, or if it's Gensel playing on the opposite side, or figure that out uh, on that second line, that's fine too. That adds more depth to the third line, bigger, heavier on the third line, a little bit more of a tweak on the fourth line. 
And then if they can get some sort of a defenseman that gives them defensive help and depth, I don't think this team is that far away. I don't think they need, and I don't think there is that Ekholm splash out there. Because if they do that, they have to send the money out. You're getting rid of CeCe. You're getting rid of Fogel. You're getting rid of Kulak. There's no other way around it. Last year they did it with Barry. So it's in or out, and that's the way I see it. So, Well, even just on the goaltending front, if they even wanted to bring up Campbell, which at some point they're probably going to have to in the playoffs, they'd have to waive and or send down players. It's Their cap situation is dire in Mm -hmm. that sense that if you are making a trade of any significance – it you have to be plucking pieces off of your roster to do it. Yeah. So I do think that there's some concern on that level. I'd be very surprised at the end of the day if it ends up being Gensel. I would um, too. I would too. I don't think they. I don't think they want to spend. Not to say that they don't believe in him. I think the price is going to be expensive, and I think there's almost zero chance that he resigns in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And I on. think that yeah. part of it is um, certainly of consideration. But I think Riley Smith would be a totally different conversation. Mm -hmm. Hey, Frank, thanks so much for this. Uh, We will talk with you on Thursday. Appreciate it, man. Sounds good. Have a good one, Kevin.